0: Hey, this is Thor from Cybrary. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at it. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show.
1: Think you've got what it takes to replicate the real world cyber attacks of threat actors like Fin 7? Learn how ethical hackers are putting their skills to the test in MITRE ATT&CK TTP-based adversary emulations. In this episode
0: of the CyberAid
1: Podcast, CyberAid course manager Jennifer Barnaby chats with MITRE principal cyber adversary emulation engineer Michael Long. Whether you're managing a red team or just getting into ethical hacking, you'll want to hear this discussion about the value of emulating adversaries and stimulating malware. Stay tuned for Michael's upcoming MITRE Adversary Threat Emulation course, only on Cybrary.
0: Hello and welcome to the Cybrary podcast. My name is Jen Barnaby and I'm one of the course managers here at Cybrary and I'm so excited to welcome Michael Long of the MITRE Corporation today. Michael is a Principal Cyber Adversary Emulation Engineer at MITRE Corporation and a former U.S. Army Cyber Operations Specialist. He is currently creating a course for us uh, that'll be on the CyberAid platform entitled MITRE Attack Adversary Emulation Fundamentals, and it'll teach students how to apply attack to adversary emulation. Michael brings over 12 years of experience in offensive and defensive cyber operations and is a regular conference presenter and contributor to open source projects such as Metasploit, Caldera, and the Offensive Golang Project. Uh, Michael holds a Master of Science in Information Security Engineering with the Sands Technology Institute and is working on his PhD in cyber operations with Dakota State University. Welcome, Michael. So glad to have you.
1: Thanks, Jen. Thank you for the kind intro and uh, really excited to be here.
0: Cool. Well, let's just kick it off with the big question, and that is, what is adversary emulation?
1: Ah, yes. What is adversary emulation? Uh, Well, at its simplest Adversary emulation entails executing real-world cyber adversary behaviors. Um, So really, we're taking a deliberate step to research, model, implement, and execute adversary TTPs. And in that way, when we're trying to assess and improve our cyber defenses, we're doing so against threats that are representative of those adversary behaviors you would likely see in the wild. So summarizing all that, it's about executing real world adversary behaviors to assess and improve cybersecurity.
0: All right. Yeah. Like I know when we were working on the course, you really stress a lot how important it is to have that real world, you know, um, idea of what adversaries are doing, because a lot of times pen testing and stuff like that doesn't really go at what, you know, what's really happening out there in the wild. So um, it's just a really interesting discipline that you're kind of bringing to light in this course, which is so exciting. Um, Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say, um, you know, penetration tests, vulnerability assessments, red teams, those are all really great things to do. Um, The things I encourage organizations receiving those assessments to ask is, are those assessments representative of real-world threats? Oftentimes, the answer is no. And when that's the case, you're basically getting marginal value out of those types of assessments. So adversary emulation was just a concerted effort to say, let's make sure the, the assessments we perform are in fact based on real-world threats. And that way, when we're assessing and improving our devices and our security, uh, we know that it'll actually mitigate the threats that we care about.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I know. Um... Another thing you talk about in the course is sort of how, um, you know, you might do an engagement and it has to be really geared toward what the organization is seeing, what the network owner is concerned about, the types of of things they've actually seen happen. And then the other thing that you've brought up is how um, when you have sort of red team, blue team working, you know, at the same time, they don't always work together and adversary emulation can help with that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a really interesting dynamic. Um, For anybody that has been like a red teamer or a blue teamer for a while, you may realize that there's a natural lack of incentive between the two disciplines. In other words, your red teamers really want to beat the blue team. If they get detected, they sometimes perceive that as a failure on their part. Likewise, the blue teamers, they want to beat the red team. They want to keep them out. And the result is that oftentimes blue teams will just kind of throw up artificial barriers and it just makes it difficult for the two disciplines to work together. We find that when we practice adversary emulation, um, it's no longer about red team fighting the blue team. Really, it's about emulating those behaviors that we know are taking place in the wild. So from red team's perspective, you know there's no reason to withhold the nature of the TTPs that they're executing because they are in fact taking place in the wild. Uh, for the blue teamers, because it's real world, they've got greater incentive to fix it. So to kind of simplify what that dynamic looks like, you know, on a red team versus blue team, it could sometimes be adversarial. Um, when it's an adversary emulation engagement, it's like, I'm now going to run scheduled task persistence. Did you detect it? Defender might say, no, can you run it again? So you get this really great feedback loop of red team and blue team working together.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um I know another thing that you do in the course is you bring in a lot of tools and resources that um, the students can use um, when they're getting involved with adversary emulation, you know, using ATT&CK, using the CTI available in TAC, and um, the um, Center for Threat-Informed Defense with their library of adversary emulation plans and stuff like that. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the the different software and tools that you use in adversary um, emulation engagements.
1: Yeah, the adversary emulation tooling is uh, one of the uh, the topics I'm most passionate about. Um, broadly, when it comes to, you know, how do we do these adversary emulation engagements? What tooling do we use? It's typically a mix. It's a mix of publicly available tools and custom tools we make specifically for our engagements. Um, so to give you some examples, um, if you were to peruse the attack pages... Um, you will see a lot of uh, off-the-shelf tools used by real-world adversaries. For example, these might be tools like Metasploit, PowerShell Empire, even Cobalt Strike. You'll see that real-world actors are, in fact, using these tools um, to conduct intrusions. And uh, that makes our life as adversary emulation engineers really easy. It's like, okay, I want to emulate maybe Fin7 using Cobalt Strike. I can just go get Cobalt Strike and execute those same behaviors in the style of that particular adversary. Um, So that's one of the easier use cases. Uh, where things get a little bit more challenging, if not interesting, um, is when we're trying to emulate TTPs for which there really aren't any off-the-shelf tools that are publicly available. Um, You typically see this in some of your really advanced actors. Um, Think about those actors that may have done things like, you know, having portable encrypted file systems on target. Um, For some of those really sophisticated actors, you generally have to implement the tools yourself. Um, so you're basically opening up your IDEs, you're, you're writing the source code, you're compiling it or, or otherwise building it. And uh, in those cases, typically, the, uh, uh, it requires significantly more skill. It does, require, it does entail more complexity. Uh, but when you work through it, you end up with a capability um, that is very representative of the adversary. And uh, that could be really effective if you're trying to model those, those sophisticated threats an organization cares about.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I can imagine that can sometimes be really difficult. And I I imagine you have folks on your team, um, you know, different people have different strengths, you can kind of pull together and, and work on, you know, kind of try to try to come up with those tools that you need that you don't have publicly available like that.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely a balancing act um, when it comes to how you approach adversary emulation, how you implement these TTPs. Um, you always got to you know weigh uh, your different constraints. You've got a fixed amount of time. Um, you've got different team members on your staff that have different skills. Um, at the end of the day, it's a matter of you know how much time do you have? Um, are you able to get, Are you able to get this thing done uh, w- within the time that you have available? And uh, it's definitely a, a constraint that's difficult to balance. Uh, you basically just do the best that you can. And uh, one of the things I I teach in the adversary emulation course is, how do you start working towards reusable adversary emulation capabilities? So maybe for one engagement, you don't get like the pristine, authentic solution you want. But if you at least approach it with the idea of how do you sustain it, how do you build upon it going forward, maybe it's something that you could build on iteratively so that a couple engagements down the line, maybe it is something that's really authentic and representative of the adversary.
0: Yeah. And I, I imagine some of our listeners may not know too much about adversary emulation. It's kind of seems like it's kind of a new discipline. Um, you can tell me, if, tell me if I'm right about that. Um, but I thought maybe it would be good if you could talk a little bit about a memorable um, engagement that you did and, you know, sort of how it went and give us an idea of what it's like.
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess to your earlier comments, Jen, um, I would say that adversary emulation is a fairly new discipline in comparison to everything else in cybersecurity. Um, I really didn't start hearing about it until about 2014, 2015 timeframe. It very well could have been around before that, but that's when I started hearing about it. And uh, since then, it's it's starting to become progressively more mainstream. Uh, But as for some examples, um, some memorable adversary emulation engagement activities... Um, I think back to one of my projects I was working on. Um, This was under the MITRE ATT&CK Evaluations Project. And uh, the basic premise of that is that uh, we develop adversary scenarios where we model real-world behaviors against very prominent cybersecurity solutions, and we publicly release the results. So for example, if you're a user of one of these products, whether it's Microsoft Advanced Threat Protection, Symantec McAfee, if you use one of these products, if they participated in our evaluation, you can go to our website and kind of see how that solution um, measured up to the different uh, adversary behaviors under test. So anyways, I'm working on attack evaluations, And uh, I'm implementing some malware um, for an actor called Fin7. Um, Fin7 Fin7 is known to be a a financially motivated actor. They've previously targeted hospitality, uh, uh, restaurants, kind of those industry verticals. Um, One of the particular malware specimens that Fin7 used uh, was called Pillowment. And Pillowment is an interesting specimen. Basically, what it would do is, uh, after infecting a system, after deploying Pillowment, it would try to scrape process memory looking for credit card information. And so this was a behavior that we wanted to emulate as part of our attack evaluations. Um, So one particular day, I'm trying to emulate this specimen. I'm writing the code. I'm like, let's see, get a handle to the process, read process memory. I used regular expressions to find credit card information. After going through that exercise, at the end of it, I basically had a weaponized piece of malware that could scrape credit card information from memory. And I was a little bit mortified. I'm like, oh my God, this gets (laughs) into the wrong hands. This could really be abused by adversaries to cause serious harm. Mm -hmm. Um, So after going through that, you know, I said, okay, this is the most realistic solution, but I have to scale it back. I have to defang it so that it won't cause harm elsewhere. Um, So that's what I did. I basically introduced some weaknesses. I made it a little bit more fragile so that it wouldn't be useful operationally, but it was still running the same behaviors under test. Uh, So that was a really fun exercise. You know, I basically demonstrated I have the skills to scrape credit card information from memory, but being the ethical hacker that I am, I figured out how can I do this in a way that mitigates the chances for abuse. In that way, we're emulating behaviors so that we can assess and improve cybersecurity.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I know in the course, you also talk about, you know, that's like a big part of it is how you do these engagements and you don't get into trouble. And you, you know, you kind of, you've got to plan it out right. You've got to talk to the network owners. You've got to make sure everybody knows what's going to be happening and stuff like that. So that's, um, I can imagine you can sometimes uh, step over a line maybe with that that kind of activity.
1: Yeah, as uh, as hackers, as red teamers, you know, we get really excited about um, executing these different adversary behaviors, Um, But we always got to be cognizant of the fact, you know, the difference between say a red teamer and adversary is simply permission. Um, So when I teach my course, um, I definitely emphasize, you know, as fun as adversary emulation is, um, you always got to have written scope. You got to have rules of engagement. You got to have explicit written permission from the network owners authorizing you to do these activities. Um, So so that's one of the big things uh, that viewers could take away from my course: is it's not just how to execute all these cool adversary behaviors. It's how to do so professionally, safely and ethically so you stay out of trouble.
0: Yeah. And that kind of echoes something that we've had come up on the podcast before talking to different practitioners is, um, you know, the need for those soft skills, the communication skills, the way to explain what you're going to do. Um, maybe you have to do that sometimes with non-technical folks that aren't going to completely understand what you're up to. Um, so that's really an important part of it. I know you, you know, you give some good examples of how to draw up those communications and, and make sure they're, you know, clear And, uh, you know, kind of um, at the level of the people that you're communicating with.
1: Yeah, I think the soft skills are are in many ways uh, underrated compared to all of our different technical skills. Like, you know, when we're doing adversary emulation, it's really easy to get in the weeds when you're disassembling an adversary binary, you're studying its behaviors. At a certain point, you got to go talk to network owners and say, you know, this is the behavior under test. Uh, This is your ability to protect or detect it. And this is why it matters. This is what you might want to do to mitigate it. Um, having those soft skills to be able to communicate that clearly and succinctly, it, it's very, very difficult. It definitely takes a lot of practice. Um, I'd like to say that I'm decent at it, but I'm still nowhere you know, near as good as you know, some of the other professionals that I admire. Um, so all that is to say, it's a really good skill to invest in. And uh, I think uh, as much as we focus on technical skills, definitely take some time to focus on your soft skills as well.
0: Yeah. And sort of in that vein, um, for people that are listening that want to get in, into adversary emulations, what kind of uh, tips do you have for those people? And, you know, where, what, what should they try to do? What should they study up on? What should they, um, you know, uh, sort of besides your course, obviously, which is where we want people to start, um, you know, what are what other kind of avenues could they go down? Yeah. So if you're an absolute
1: beginner, um, I, I definitely advocate starting with the fundamentals. Um, Before you kind of dive into any cybersecurity discipline, there's a few key things that you generally need a good foundation of. And that's basically operating system administration. You should know your way around a Linux and Windows command line. Um, You should know basic networking. You have to know how different activity traverses the network. And then beyond that, having just some foundational scripting or automation skills. Uh, We're basically getting to the point where to be effective in cybersecurity... You really got to be able to automate, you got to be able to solve problems at scale. And that's kind of where programming and scripting comes into play. So assuming you've got a foundation of, you know, just OSs, networking, some basic scripting, uh, and and you want to get into, you know, how do I get into adversary emulation? A really good exercise is to kind of start with the attack matrix. Maybe identify an adversary, identify a TTP that's of interest to you, and then try and implement it. So for example, you might go to like the APT29 page, go down to where it talks about how APT29 does scheduled task persistence. See if you could implement that in a trusted format and maybe run it in a lab environment. Um, By going through that process, you'll gain a much greater understanding of attack, of TTPs, adversary behaviors. And then by implementing those behaviors, um, you'll really start to kind of apply everything that goes into adversary emulation. So summarizing all that, Start with the attack matrix. Pick out some TTPs and try to implement them in your lab.
0: Yeah, that's uh, great advice. I know in the course you you know we run through some labs and you have you know the emulation of APT twenty nine just as you mentioned. So I think what's great about that is I think it's really compelling when it's you know real world stuff, right? Like it's not made up. You know, if somebody actually did this, um, you you, you want to try to do it yourself. I think it's um, you know, I think it's just very exciting. It's like, hey, look what I did, you know, when you, or, you know, when you're working with a team, um, something that you're able to accomplish like that. So I think that's really cool. Um, I wanted to ask you also about the upcoming summit. Um, I believe it's still called a summit. I know there was some um, back and forth on that, but um, there's the Th- Center for Threat Formed Defense involved with this um, Threat informed Formed Defense Summit that's coming up in December that MITRE is doing. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that. And I know that you're going to be doing um, sort of the part, first part of your course at the summit. So I wondered if you could talk about what you expect to do there. So
1: with the uh, seated Summit, what we're hoping to do is uh, we're going to teach the uh, module
0: one of the Adversary
1: Emulation Fundamentals course. Um, so basically, we're going to start with what is adversary emulation? Why do we do it? and What are some high level practices um, in order to start applying adversary emulation in your day to day? Uh, So we're going to kind of give the Adversary Emulation 101 Fundamentals module. Um, After that, uh, we're going to allow the attendees to have the option to basically uh, take the assessment to earn the Adversary Emulation Fundamentals badge. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with uh, the MITRE Attack Defender uh, certification path, um, for each course, they have a number of badges uh, that you could achieve by taking these assessments. Uh, So during the seated Summit, we're going to allow our attendees... Uh, to try and take the assessment to get the first badge. And then uh, ideally, when the course gets released in its entirety, the other badges will be available for students to kind of work towards. Uh, So in that way, we're just trying to uh, introduce the world to the Adversary Emulation course. And uh, hopefully it's something that uh, viewers look forward to attending.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. Um, You can kind of walk away with something. uh, Besides just a bunch of information in your head, you can kind of achieve something while you're there. So that's really cool and get a live uh, version of the course instead of the, you know, the video version. So that's going to be cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to add to, uh, you know, about adversary emulation or, um, you know, sort of what MITRE has in the attack framework or the, um, center for threat informed defense. Is there anything else you wanted to add about those? Well,
1: there's another resource that, uh, I would, I would point those who are interested to, and that's uh, called called um, Caldera is MITRE's automated platform for adversary emulation. Um, it makes it really easy to execute adversary TTPs. It maps very closely to attack. And uh, it's built on an extensible plugin system, meaning that there's a lot of really cool and interesting plugins in the framework beyond adversary emulation. Um, best part about all of this is that uh, it's provided; uh, it's freely available. You can get it on GitHub. Uh, recently, they started bundling uh, Caldera uh, into Kali Linux's network repository. Um, So if you're a Kali Linux user, you can basically sudo apt-get install Caldera. And it makes it really easy to install it and get running with it. So if you're interested in any kind of uh, frameworks to get started with adversary emulation, uh, Caldera is something that's uh, really interesting to take a look at.
0: Awesome. That's great. Um, Well, cool. Well, I think we've... Uh, gone through the questions I had. I'm so happy that you got to join us today and um, really thank you for your time. I'm so excited about the course we're putting together. I know it's going to be a little while before it's out there, but I assure everyone listening that it's going to be a fabulous course. And um, Michael is just such a good instructor, gives so many good, clear um, examples and um, guidance and based on his experience, which is always great. Just, you know, being able to provide really Uh, almost tangible things that you can apply um, as you're getting into adversary emulation. So I'm really excited about that. So I want to thank you so much, Michael, for for being here.
1: Well, thank you for the kind words, Jen. It was my pleasure.
0: Great. Well, thanks to the listeners. Um, uh, Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast um, and check back with us each week for more Cybrary content and leave us a review. That always really helps us a lot. And thank you for joining us. Cybrary,
1: the premier cybersecurity skill development platform, is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up
0: when you visit www.cybrary.it.